This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen. Amen. So, um, we're going into our third lesson of this teaching. I've been talking about dealing with death, and the specific part that I've been focusing on is the origin of death. So, we were looking at, at where death came from. And I started out, I was saying, you know, when we, when we deal with death, death is something that we deal with. It's not something that a lot of us want to talk about. Some of us, really nobody really wants to talk about it. People may, you know, people prepare for it, make sure everything's in place, but nobody just sits around talking about it. It's an uncomfortable uh, conversation, but it touches us all. And a lot of times, especially now when we're going through this pandemic and we see, um, and even other things, not necessarily pandemic, but just unnecessary death and destruction, we wonder, you know, what's going on here? People will ask and they'll, they'll come to you because you're a believer and they'll say, why does God let this happen? And a lot of times we don't know exactly what to say. We know, we, and we know it, but we really don't understand because we don't believe God is making it happen, but we don't know what's going on. So we said the intent of this teaching is to understand where death originates and find out if God intended death for man. So we had three objectives. The first one was where does death come from? Then uh, the second one, which we looked at last week, was when God created man, was death part of the plan? And then the third one, which we're going to talk about this week, is did or does God want man to experience death? Now, when you think about this, you know, I was looking at it and I said, you know, most people were like, well, Sister Castillo, you explained the first, the first objective. We could have been on to something else. But what you need to understand is you, you just don't need to have the, in this case, you just don't need the answer. You need the understanding. Because if you have not experienced the death of someone you love, when that comes, that rocks your world. And you will wonder, even even you love God and you know God loves you, you will start to wonder because there's so much pain and sorrow that goes with it, you'll start to wonder what's going on. And then on the other end, you may be okay, but then people may come to you and say, hey, how is this happening? And you need to be able to represent God the right way. You need to be able to trust God. You need to be able to understand that God is, is not changing. He's a God of, of his word. So he's a good God. So death is not good. So you need to know, wait, I know death is not good. And you can say that to somebody and God is good. But they'll say, what do you mean by that? You need to understand those things. You need to be settled. You need to have that foundation. You need to be established on these truths. So let's go over to Romans chapter uh, chapter 5. This is, we're going to read this scripture. So Romans chapter 5, we're going to look at, um, start in verse 12 and go down to 17. We've read this every week, I believe. Um, So Romans chapter 5, verse 12. says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is a figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, 
so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. So we see here pretty much this, this whole teaching revolves around that passage of scripture. Sin caused death, spiritual and natural. Without sin, there's no death. So, so you can look at that and then you look at it and this scripture goes on to explain to you that it was through one man's sin and that was Adam that brought in death. But it's through Jesus Christ and his obedience, his sacrifice that brings in righteous and ju- righteousness and justification. So you have Adam that brought in sin and then you have Jesus who brought in righteousness and justification. So when Adam sinned, we were all in Adam. And that sin and death passed on to us. And we went over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're not going to go there today. And, we, and I was telling you that in this teaching, we're going to focus on the origin of death, which is sin. But understand, we want to have a balance with this. We're focusing on the origin of death, but death does not have the last say. Jesus has the victory over sin and death. So we remember that that scripture tells you where grace, where there was sin, now grace abounds. So we don't have to stay where we were. But you have to understand that was our position. So we went over to Genesis 2. Just go ahead and flip there. I probably won't read it just right now. Um, we went over to Genesis uh, chapter 2. And we saw, now let's just go ahead and read it. So Genesis chapter 2. And we're just going to read um, verses 15 through 17. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. So here's God, who is the creator. He takes his creation, the thing that he created, and he puts it in the garden. And he gives Adam a command. He said, here are all these trees. They are good for eating, but there is one tree that I don't want you to eat from. If you do that, in dying you shall surely die. So we saw that Adam, he, you know, Adam and Eve, they went through the garden through all this time. And then all after they were, were enticed, pulled away, they ate, they sinned. So it was their choice to do that. They didn't have to do that because the tree had been there a long time. So it it wasn't like the tree said, hey, now you got to eat me and ran up to him and did all those things. You have to understand it was Adam's free will that pulled him into that. And we said that sin is to do wrong, to act or intend contrary to the word, to the will and law of God. It's primarily a wrong relationship with God, which expresses itself in wrong attitudes, and actions toward God himself, other human beings, possessions, and the environment. We said sin affected every part of the world. It affected every part of our environment. It affected every part of man. And we looked over in uh, verse uh, chapter 3 of Genesis. So flip over there. We're going to read that. 
So we saw, we contrast, we compared and contrasted what Adam was doing before he sinned. And then we looked at what he was doing after he sinned. How everything changed for him. He was still... It was still the earth that he was living on, but the earth changed. The way that he was going to provide a living for himself, you may say. The work that he had. He had work before he sinned, but now the work becomes toil. It becomes strenuous. So let's go over to um, chapter 3, Genesis chapter 3. We're just going to read verses 17 through 19. And unto Adam he said, and he hears God, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow thou shalt eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat of the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and dust thou shalt return. Excuse me, dust shalt thou return. So Adam's life changed dramatically after he sinned. Before he sinned, he still had to work. He had to go out there and eat of the trees. He had to take care of and he had to have stewardship over those things that God had given him stewardship over. But now you see that the earth, the ground is cursed. That means it's harmed. It's injured. He has sorrow. He has pain in his work. That means there's suffering. There's toil. There's intense labor. He's expending a lot of energy. And, and that comes with physical pain. It comes with emotional pain, stress, physical anguish, all these things that before he didn't have to deal with because there was not sin. But when he sinned, this is what came upon the earth. So in this, he not only is going out and he's having to work this hard to get what he needs, but when he goes out to work and pick the food and get the herbs and get the food to eat, there are thorns, there are thistles. It's things out there that don't even produce fruit. So he's got to figure out what's productive and what's not productive. What he can eat, what he can't eat. And those things that he can't eat, now they're, they're painful. He could prick his finger on them. So before, he was just able to go out there and do what he needed to do. But now he has to go out there. Still, he has, still has to eat. You know, it's not like that changed. But he has to go and he has to gather these things. And instead of it being... A pleasurable thing, now it's strenuous. It's toil. He's got to, you know, you think about it. Now it's not so much, but think about it when you're driving in traffic. And how, like, it's something you do all the time, driving. You're just putting your foot on the gas, you're putting the brake, you're turning a little bit. Something you do all the time. But when you add all these people in, all of a sudden, it becomes something that could be pleasurable. It becomes stressful. So all these other things that are now harmed and injured are now part of his life. And he's having to deal with it on a daily basis. With that, when Adam sinned, all of creation was cursed. All of creation. So it's just not, when Adam sinned, it's just not, oh, Adam, oh, you're going to die. There's going to be physical death. No, everything around him changed. And it changed for the worse. And we see there in verse, uh, was it verse... um, is verse 19 it says in the sweat of thy faith face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground for out of it thou was taken for dust thou art and dust thou shalt return to the ground and that is referring to physical death but before he gets to this physical death 
He's got this toil. He's got this sorrow. All these things that he has to go through. And I think last week I told you the destination is death, but the transportation is also death. So it's not like, oh, I'm going to get there at some point and it's going to be smooth sailing. No. Everything, when Adam sinned, it was, the earth was defiled. And we looked at it last week and we talked about when God created man, was death part of the plan? It wasn't. But because we're so used to seeing it as what we know, as what we've experienced, we think it is. And just because we're experiencing something and we think it's normal and natural is not what God originally intended. It doesn't mean that what we're experiencing is God's order. So man interrupted God's cycle, that the, the cycle that God intended for his man. So man sinned. When Adam sinned, it went, so you got two paths here. Think about it this way. You got two paths. You got the path that God intended, which, which is explained over in Genesis 2. He put the gar- a man in the garden. He said, dress it, keep it, do these things. And that's what Adam was going down that road. That's the path he was going down. But there was another path that Adam had, and it was if he ate from the tree. So when he ate from the tree, it popped him over into that other path. So now what, what is Adam still living? Things are still going on. But now he's in a different plan. Remember we talked about framing now this, this consequence. There are consequences for what he did, and those consequences are now where he, he is. So God intended us for us to be here, but sin put us on a different path. So we looked over in John chapter 1 and we saw that in the beginning was the Word. The Word is God. God is life. And where there's life, there can be no death. So in the beginning, there was no death. Think about it like this. God is life, so we can't be death. But when Adam sinned, that brought in death. God's the source of all that. God is good. He's the source that is all that is good. Everything that he made is good. He pronounced it over in Genesis chapter 1, verse 31. We went there last week. He said, oh, this is very good. God didn't have to create the problem of sin and death to show his power. And I told you that last week, and I want to keep driving that home to you because in our society, it is always a villain and a good guy. And we think that because that's what we always see, that's who God is. No. God is God. There is no one like him. There is no one he is to be compared to. So we don't have to think that God, like, yeah, God brought in sin and death and he's going to kick it out and show it. No. Don't even think like that. Adam had the choice. So God puts Adam in the garden and he tells him, of this tree, don't eat. When you eat and dying, you shall surely die. And Adam says, okay, I'm fine with that today. And some days go by, time elapses. But then Adam decides one day, I'm not fine with that. I want to eat of that tree. Adam chose to sin. He had free will. He, just like we have free will. We can choose to do something or to not do something. And I was thinking about it and I said something earlier. It's not like the tree was like, hey, Adam, I'm going to push you and I'm going to make you eat me. That's not what it was. The tree was there. The tree had been there. The tree was doing what the tree did. 
But Adam decided it was no longer a good idea for him to not do what, to, to obey God. He was going to disobey God. So what Adam did when he did that, he put us in line for sin. He put us in line for death. He passed that on to us. It was Adam's choice to obey or disobey. He can choose what he wants to do, but he can't choose the consequence of it. Now, the thing about this, this is, we see it here and we look at it and we're like, well, Adam, God told you exactly what would happen if you sinned. He told us exactly what would happen if you sinned. So don't be talking about what Adam did. Just remember, we've all sinned. So Adam knew what was going to happen. He had not experienced death because he had not sinned, but he knew it was something he didn't want to do. He didn't want to have. So God never intended man to experience death, but he did give man a free will. So man's choice interrupted his fellowship with God. And apart from God, there's death. There's no life. God is life. He's the source of life. So when you get away from the source of life, there's death. The great thing about this is, this is, this is the good news. This is the gospel. God didn't throw us away when man, when man sinned. When Adam sinned, God didn't say, I'm done. I'm throwing him out. No. God had already made a way. He already said, hey, if man sins, I've got a way to get him back. I've got a way to restore him. And he provided an eternal solution to this problem that we have, that we made for ourselves. Not that God has given us. It's a, it's a problem we have. But the thing about it, the restoration doesn't override man's choice. Man's choice. We still have a free will. We can choose to accept the, the uh, solution that God has given us, which is Jesus Christ. Or we can choose to say, no, nah, I don't want that. So... We went over to Romans chapter 5, verse 20 and 21 last week. We're not going to go there this week. And we saw that all of us were in Adam, so death passed on to all of us. But anyone who is in Christ has justification to life passed on to them. So when you think about it, we say, okay, we're justified. That means that we're not guilty. We've been acquitted of this, but we still see death. But there's a time coming when the defeat of death will be manifested. And that's the resurrection. So we're waiting on that. I'm not teaching on the resurrection. But those are things you, as believers, those are things we hold on to. So today we're going to talk about that God doesn't want us to experience death. Go over to James chapter 1. So we've looked at this. We've seen that the origin of sin, the origin of death came from sin. And that in the beginning, death wasn't there. But now death is here. So, so what is it? We have to know that God does not want us to experience death. And we're going we're gonna to walk this through. So James chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 13 through 15. It says, Let no man say when he is tempted... I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. So, God is good, and he wants, he has no part of your sin. God's not generating evil and he's not feeding your lust. 
Just like I was talking about that tree. The tree that Adam was not supposed to eat up, it was always there. It was Adam's lust that caused him to go and disobey God. So unchecked lust brings forth sin. Sin brings forth death. So those things that are against God, if I don't check those in my mind, I'm going to sin. I'm going to do it. And that sin will bring forth death. But then on down in the scripture, it's not, we're not going to read it, but it talks about the word of truth. The word of truth brings forth life. And we know that God is truth. It, he is the word. So life emanates from the word of truth, which comes from God. So we have to look at this. Adam made the choice to follow his lust and sin, which brought death. God does not promote what is unacceptable to him. He's not saying like he doesn't tell Adam to go and eat from don't eat from the tree and then say, Adam, look at how pretty this tree is. Look at how great it is. God's not doing that. He's not promoting sin. He didn't want man to sin, but Adam had the choice. And since God didn't want man to sin, so if sin brings death, God doesn't want man to experience death. Earlier I was talking about the past. This is not what God intended for man, what we're experiencing right here. This, this, the thing that we experience, the heartbreak, the suffering, all those things, that's brought in because of sin. But God has sent his son to set things right to restore and redeem. God takes no pleasure in death. And I know sometimes, I want to say this, go over to Ezekiel while I'm talking about this because I know it may take you. Kind of in the middle. But God, he didn't say, okay, now man, they're in this sorrow, they're in this toil. Oh, well, they, they can just handle it. Whatever, you know, I'm frustrated. I can't believe they disobeyed me. That's not the attitude he had. He said, you know what? That's my man. I still want fellowship with him. So he sent his son to restore that fellowship, to restore us, to put us back in right position with him. And God takes no pleasure in death. And I know a lot of times we'll be like, we say that, but we don't really think about it the way, and I'm not going to say the way I, I believe God thinks about it because I don't know all the mind of God. When we think of people who we think are evil or did bad things and they die, we're like, oh, that's bad. Or, Woo, you know, I remember it was one guy, you know, he was um, an enemy of this country. When they found him and killed him, people were applauding and all these different things. And I understand, but God takes no pleasure in death, especially the death of the wicked. Go over to Ezekiel chapter 18. We're going to look at verse 32. It says, For I have no pleasure in the death of him that dieth, saith the Lord. Wherefore, turn yourselves and live ye. So God is saying, I don't take any pleasure in that. That's, that's, not, that's not good to me. But what I want you to do is I want you to repent so that you can have life. So we see this, and that's why God has given us time to, to repent. So that we don't have to die in our sins. So he's provided Jesus Christ so that we can escape sin and death. Death, sickness, disease, it's not God punishing you or getting revenge. So, once again, you have to, and it's so hard, you have to take 
the world, this world system, this cosmos, this way of thinking out of your mind and look at what God is saying about things. He does, God doesn't operate the way men operate. He it just said he can't be tempted. He doesn't have that in him. It's not his nature. It's not his makeup. Like I can never be a puppy. Never. No matter, I can dress up like a puppy, I can bark and do all those things, but I can never be a puppy. God, just like that, you just thought that was the silliest analogy, Sister Castile. That's just like us think, thinking that God thinks like we think, think. He says his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So when we start putting our sinful, petty mindset, and making making it think it's like it's God, then we're we're discounting God. We're we're making ourselves God in that instance. So God's not a man. He doesn't operate the way we operate. God's not taking people. Okay? So God's the creator. He created man. If he needed some more, couldn't he just create him? Without flaw. You know, when you think about it like that, you're like, hmm. But you know, in in our rush, in our not sitting down and getting understanding, not sitting down and, and talking to God, and sometimes just want to have something to say, we say these things. But we have to be sensitive to the Spirit. I said this last week. If you don't know what to say in these times, just don't say anything. Just pray. You know what? Say something to God and God alone. Don't if when you're praying about it, don't even pray around people. Pray in the shower, because. You will misrepresent God. You will give someone an idea of who God is that he's not. And then when it's time for them to trust God, they can't because in the back of their mind they're saying, God took my mother. God took my grandmother. And that's not what God is doing. We have to go back to what what I was saying. The origin of, of death is sin. Sin changed the whole, defiled the whole world. It defiled this earth. So we must realize that sin has altered man's existence for the worst. So our bodies, what we consider nature, those things are corruptible. And guess what? Corruptible things corrupt. That means they decay. You know, you think about it. I think uh, Pastor one either last week or week before last, she was talking about the things that you have. And you think about, you know, that cute pair of shoes or that cute outfit you had. And you're like, where is that? You look and you probably had to throw it away because it got holes in it or something like that. Corruptible things corrupt. So sin brings death and destruction. And uh, flip over to John chapter 9. We're going to take a look at this. So sin brings death and destruction. And we think, okay, so um, here's sin. So here comes death and here comes destruction. And we think, okay, I can see that, you know. All right, like a tornado. The tornado goes into the path, and wherever it goes, that's where you're going to see sin and destruction. But then sometimes we don't necessarily see that path, but we do see sin and death and destruction. That's because it's affected the whole earth. So it's not like, it's like a um, sin and death, it spreads. It's like decay or mold. If something decays, it doesn't just decay in one spot. It starts in one spot, but it grows out more, 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 and more. So that's what sin does. That's what death does. So it just grows out more, more, and more. And then, now think about this. 
there's more sin going. Sin hadn't stopped. Sin produces death. It's not like Adam sinned, a few people sinned, and now there's no more sin. You know, it's still sin in the earth. It's still sin going on. So sin causes decay, and decay does not stop in one place. So let's go over to John chapter 9, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 3. And it says, And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents. So now you're just like, whoa, wait a minute. You said sin brought death and destruction. And this man is blind. That's, that's destruction. But you're telling me neither? Wait a minute. I, I remember I read this and I was like, God, I just don't understand. But there's sin in the earth. Death and destruction, decay, it spreads. So Jesus answered and said, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. So, to me, that's an interesting answer. Because he said, this man didn't sin, he's blind, but now the works of God are going to be made manifest in him. Let's, let's just kind of break this down. So, Jesus and his disciples are here, and they meet this man, and he was born blind. And his disciples see it, and they go, hey, Jesus, um, what, what caused his, his blindness? His parents or him? Who sinned? Who did this wrong thing to make him have to do this, right? So when the disciples looked at this situation, I looked at this question and I looked at it and I said, you know, they never asked, is it a, is it a way that this man can be not blind? Can he see? They just asked, who do we blame for this situation? Who do we blame for it? So they want to know how it happened or why it happened. And, you know, sometimes how and why we need to know. But right here, this man is blind. How and why at this point? Immaterial. So, at this point, they're not even asking the right question. It may be a question, but it's not the right question. Because even if they knew how it happened, is that going to change what's happened? It's not. The man is blind. Now, I'm going to take a little side note here. That does not mean that if you don't feel good, if you have a headache, if your vision is blurry, that you don't go to the doctor and get a diagnosis. Because you'd be like, well, I don't need to know why I feel bad. Because God is going to be glorified. No, that's, that's not balanced. That's not what we're talking about here. This man was born blind. It wasn't right now in this situation where the disciples are. They're just trying to get and analyze the problem. They're not trying to solve the problem. If you feel bad, go to the doctor. Find out what's wrong. Let's have balance. Figure out what's going on. Because there could be some things you could make, some changes you could make in your lifestyle to make you feel better. But the doctor will give you that information. We're not those people here that are spooky. You're going to be balanced. And this, we're taking this situation and looking at it. And this man was born blind. But your situation, if you're feeling bad, you go to the doctor, you get diagnosed. So, back to this, this man. So... At this point, Jesus explains to him in verse 3 that neither this man's parents nor he sinned, but that the works of God will be made manifest. This isn't saying that this man was born blind. God let this man be born blind so he could come here in this scripture and healing. That's not what's saying. 
Let's go back to the teaching that we, how we've been teaching this. What's been going on? The origin of death and destruction and sickness is sin. Sin has spread. It's spread all over the earth. So these things happen, not necessarily because somebody did one specific thing, but that this cycle is going on. And guess what? We're in the cycle. We're in the system. So things like this happen. But the great thing about this is that God is going to be glorified because he can heal. He's brought in healing. Remember, God didn't create sickness and death so he could show his strength. But sickness and death are a result of sin. But God has rescued us. But, and his glory can be seen because he has rescued us. So we look at this. He's our redeemer. He's our healer. Those things, that's how God's glory is seen. Once again, God didn't say, let me, let me get man and let man, put man in trouble so I can rescue him. He didn't have to do that. We got ourselves in trouble, but by the grace of God, he rescues us. So that's what that is saying. It's like, hey, sin is in the earth. Decay, defile, the ruin, it's already here. It's already working its way through. It's showing itself up in the way things work. It's showing itself up in our physical bodies. Things like this happen. But guess what? God is faithful in this man. God can and will heal this man. That's what that scripture is talking about there. So even as sin brings death, God is still able to keep us and to heal us. God can and will be glorified. So with that said, when you look at it, you can say if God wanted death and sickness for you, why would he send you life? You look at John 3 and 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall have everlasting life. Why would God, you know, when you start thinking about that, why would God set up, why would God send life? If he sent death, that doesn't make sense. Go over to Mark chapter um, 3. If God wanted death for you, why would he give you life? Why would he give you life if he wanted death for you? So John chapter 3, we're going to look at verses 22 through 26. Did I say Mark? I think I said Mark, right? Awesome. So Mark chapter 3, we're looking at verse 22. And the scribes which came down from Jerusalem said, He hath Beelzebub, and by the prince of devils casteth he out devils. And he called unto them, unto him, and said unto them in parables. Now this is Jesus speaking. How can Satan cast out Satan? And if a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan rise up against himself and be divided, he cannot stand, but hath an end. So go back to the question. If God wanted death for you, why would he send life? So here it is. If God is the remedy to sin... How could he send you sin? That doesn't, that doesn't make sense. The, the scripture is saying a kingdom divided cannot stand. You don't send a demon to cast out devils. They're on the same team. So in this, if God is life, why would he send you death? Thinking about, you know, the time we live in right now, you don't, get, you don't go and score a touchdown for the other team. 
You don't take the ball and say, well, you know, I'm just going to run it in their end zone because I want them to win. That's not how it is. So there's not, you can see how, how when you start thinking about that, if God is sending sickness and death, why is he giving us life? Why is he giving us peace? Why is he healing our disease? Why is he comforting us? That, that's crazy. That's not who God is. It's, it's totally against everything that you've learned about God. But some people think that because they don't, they can't explain what's going on. So now it's like, well, who, who is God? God is not against himself. And he's not working for a demon. He's not working for the devil. He's not, like it says here, if he's casting out demons and getting rid of them, he, the, 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 the kingdom can't stand. If that's the way the devil was working, then the devil will be done because the demons are casting out each other. They're fighting within each other. And that's not how it is. So God's not sending you sickness and death while bringing you healing and life. He's not coming in and say he doesn't tempt you. He doesn't put you, he doesn't say, this is, I'm throwing all this stuff at you and it's going to make you feel bad and all these different, and I know people will go, well, what about Job? That's a totally different situation and God wasn't doing that either. So, okay, read, read your Bible. Read your Bible. That's what I want you to do. If that, if you were thinking that, if I'm not, I'm not criticizing you. I'm just giving you some, um, some, a way, to, a way to understand things because I do understand that God has been mis- misrepresented. The Bible has been misrepresented. People have got up in these positions and taught you wrong. But what you have to do is you have to first of all, you're in a good place. We're going to teach you the word. And then just don't take my word for it. Get the Bible. Get you a Bible. Get you some study aids and study and read. And then don't stop there. Talk to God. Say, God, I need to understand this because all my life I was told you put sickness and death on people. Because you, you, what is the thing? God don't like ugly. That's what we always hear. But that's not what God is doing. That is not what God is doing. And, and what he's doing now through these teachings that we're providing, and understand we're not providing. All we are is a vessel. All we are is a vessel. We, we just submit ourselves to God. And he says, now go say this. And we say what God says. That's what we bring to you. And God is not condemning you. God is not even, God's not mad at you because you didn't understand. What God is saying is, I love you, so now I'm bringing you something so you can understand. God doesn't want you, once again, he's not leaving you in darkness. Even in your understanding, he's not leaving you in darkness. He's bringing that light to you. Now you, here comes the free will, you have to follow that light. You can't just take the light and be like, oh God, that was so great, clap around it and blow it out. You have to follow that. You have to take down, you have to pull down those strongholds that have been brought up in your life where you, oh, well, God put all that sickness and death on, on Job. Did you read that or did somebody tell you that? Did you, did somebody tell you something different and you misunderstood it? And once again, these are things that you, only you know, so don't, you don't have to be all embarrassed about it. Don't be like that. Just let God teach you. Just let God teach you. Sorry, but it just seems like, you know, we have so many, so many competing things going on. And, and we don't know, and God is giving us the information. So let all the competition in your mind, that's what I mean, the competing thoughts, the things that are contrary to the will of God, get those out of your mind. And let God minister to you. Let him, let him work out his word in your life. Amen? So back, back to my notes. 
God is not sending you sickness and death while bringing you healing and restoration. God, like I said earlier, God's not taking people. It was not God's plan for Adam to sin, which brought death, which brought sickness, which brought disease, which brought destruction. But Adam sinned and all those things came in. And that decay and that ruin, it continues. And what God did was he said, let me restore, let me redeem my man. Because I don't want this from them. I don't want them to experience death. This is not the intended path that I have for them. This is not the intended lifestyle that I had for them. Go over to Revelations chapter 20. So even though we see death and it's like, oh my gosh, you know, we see, especially now, like I said, it's just all around. You look on the news and they got a count of how many people have died and you're like, whoa. But death, no matter how, how big we think it is, death is not bigger than God. There's a time coming when there will be no more death. So let's go over to Revelation chapter 20. We're going to look at just verse 14. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. So wait a minute. Death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. So you mean there's something greater than death because they had to cast them in the lake of fire. God is bigger than death. And then flip over to Revelation chapter 4. So, uh, excuse me, Revelation chapter 21. That's, that's easy. Sorry, I gave you all the wrong scripture. I want to go to verse 4. Revelation chapter 21, and we're going to look at verse 4. And God shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither, there, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And you know what I like here? It just kind of shows you. What, what we would say is the last man standing. And God shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes. And guess what? Death's not there. Pain is gone. All those things, they're not greater than death. I know when we're in the midst of those things, it may seem that way. But God, nothing is going to stop God's plan. Sin is not going to stop God's plan. Only you can allow sin to do that. God is faithful. Sin brought in death, and we we were sold into sin and death by Adam, but through Jesus Christ, we have life. So sin and death don't have the final say. God does. Amen? And I am out of time. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.